Hello and welcome to Pod Be With You, a podcast from the First Congregational Church of Dundee. I'm Aaron. And I'm Paige. And we are here with another Bible study today. And we're back in the Book of Romans, also known as the Letter of Paul to the Church at Rome, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. For all the times when Paul is loquacious and tangled in his metaphors and obtuse and obscure, uh, he's at his probably most straightforward here Mm -hmm. uh, in a wonderful way that is simple and yet really challenging. Poignant. Yeah. So I'm going to pick up here in verse 8, and we're reading from the New Revised Standard Version here. Paul says this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires." Well, there is actually a lot in there after there, all that. There, there is a is. lot going on because there always is with Paul. Yeah. He's working on a lot of different levels. This is a pastoral letter. We've said it before, and I think it's worth reiterating. Uh, this is a pastoral letter to a church in a unique circumstance, and he has a lot of different conversations in the letter to the church at Rome about many different issues, we're in sort of the culminating moment now of the letter. He is bringing it all home, and he's bringing it home to this message that sounds a lot like Jesus. There are times when Paul doesn't always sound like Jesus. Here he does. Here he sounds almost exactly like him, yeah. in fact, uh, because they're they're actually quoting the same text uh, that comes out of the book of Leviticus uh, about the summation of the law. Um, but he even talks about the commandments in the same way that Jesus does. So Jesus in the Gospels has this moment where he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, uh, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the summation of the commandments and the law. And Paul is saying essentially, the same thing here that and it, that it comes in the form of love love of God love of neighbor love of self um, these things all come together um, and he's not uh, it's important I think to note that he's not uh, the word that we use in seminary is antinomian oh, which is anti-law I'll pay you later thank you yes you got to word, use that got to use yeah, that word had to use it and I didn't have to well um, done sometimes uh, it's a word that we use in seminary and people I think get the impression sometimes that Paul is anti-law because mm-hmm. especially in the book of Romans up to this point he contrasts legalism mm-hmm. which is not the same thing as law right. with grace Yes, and um, in this particular passage, he's saying that the 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 law is the way in which we live out our love, mm. um, and that and that it is it is the specifics, the 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 actions that we that we do to show that we love other people. 
One commentator described the law as an invitation to faithful daily living. Yep. And it, it is the practices that realize our spiritual intentions. Yeah. Um, God is not legalistic. Uh, the, the law as given to Moses was a way of life for a newly freed people. At the same time, what do we all do as human beings with laws? We interpret them and apply them, interpret them and apply them, and they we often multiply them until it can become another form of oppression or abuse almost, or a source of dysfunction, a source of shame, uh, a, a, a weapon with which one group can oppress another group. Yeah. And Paul, in his descriptions of faith and grace being the nature of God as opposed to law, as you said, he's contrasting that way of that legal, technocratic, dogmatic, legalistic way of speaking about the law. Is in, that's not how God is. Right. And instead, the law, and this may sound a bit reductive, but the law is love. Yeah. If you are loving your neighbor and as you love yourself, then you will not be murdering, stealing, coveting. The law is love your neighbor as yourself, and the rest is just commentary. Yeah. And it, this also is really telling in in the fact that he, he draws out the law here. You don't commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Um, he's really clear uh, in this particular passage, and we talk about this a lot, but I think it's really clear here that love is not a touchy-feely emotion mm. for Paul. Love is action. Mm. Love is how we behave toward one another. Um, and it plays out in, in that way. It plays out towards the people that we have affection for as well as the people that we don't have that's affection it. for and that's really important our neighbor is is both of those things at the same time it would have to be right when right. jesus and paul challenge us command us right. to love our enemies love our love the stranger this is not we want you to warp yourself psychosocially and emotionally so that you now feel warm and fuzzy toward these people that won't happen and it's not necessarily even right it is though you still love them in your actions. Right. You are still, we are here to serve, to act with kindness, to act with justice and mercy for everyone. That is how you are called to love. And in loving that way, breaking cycles of vengeance and violence and retribution. That was more of the conversation we had mm -hmm. last week. And speaking of that context... You could do worse in our current moment of roiling division and hurt and resentment and violence. You could do worse as a way forward than to simply say, what is our obligation to one another? Our obligation is lived love. Yeah. That's the first word, this owe no one anything. Just prior to this, Paul was talking about uh, what people might, he was wrestling with the question of what do people owe the authorities? What do people owe the dominant culture? What do people owe the government? And, the, and he shifts that here. He dresses that. That's a whole different podcast. But he, had, he shifts that here to say, here's your obligation. When we say, oh, it's not a financial debt in that sense. It's more about what your obligation is to one another. What, what's that calling upon you? What's that obligation upon you? And it is nothing except 
love. love. And it's also important uh, to note that um, in that owing, it's not like we ever pay it up. Mm. It's not like, uh, oh, I've paid you back. I yeah, was nice good, to you. I, yeah, I did what I was. I did this act of justice toward you. We're even. We're good. We are constantly obligated um, to to pay that love forward to other people. And it is always, uh, always before us to do. Paul had a really profound sense that we are the recipients of more love and grace from God than we could possibly comprehend. And so as we have been gifted by unlimited, unconditional grace, we are challenged to live in that same way. Yeah. Then we move on to this wonderful uh, uh, language of wokeness. Um, Mm -hmm. One of one of our uh, people in Bible study today asked that question um, uh, that people often these days uh, speak of themselves as being woke um, and being uh, aware of, of, of new things and uh, having a different consciousness about mm-hmm. it. And uh, Paul uses that same sort of language here. Um, it's not like the movement that talks about being woke or quoting Paul, right. uh, but they're using the same metaphor. Now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. Yes, and it's from moving from one, one state of consciousness about the world world and about your place in it and about how things are to another one. Uh, And being able to see things differently, being able to feel things differently, being able to interact differently, being able to see how things work in God's eyes. It's such an evocative metaphor because we know bodily, we know how it feels. You are not any more alive when you are awake than when you are asleep. You would say technically you're, you're, you're living but people have experienced such a profound shift, in, as you said, in their consciousness mm-hmm. that it is like the difference between being awake and being asleep. I am now aware of the world in such a way that it makes how I was previously seem like being asleep. Yeah. And I think that language of waking up, Jesus uses it, Paul uses it, we're using it here, is extremely evocative because it's so effective at describing that experience and and the urgency of it, describing what we want from other people, right? There is that sense of if you're awake and other people need to be awake and they're still sleeping, there's the sense that you want to shake them, to wake them up and say, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're not seeing. And we could work this metaphor forever, right? Because <laughs> that sense of being awake, also, it is not just about this is now joyful and this is more amazing. Actually, being awake opens you up to a lot more pain. Well, a lot more hurt and disappointment and frustration. And yet it is more real life than just sleeping or sleepwalking through all of it. Through all of it. Absolutely. For salvation is nearer now than when we first became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Um, And we've talked about this a little bit before. Just a quick reminder that um, Paul was of the opinion, uh, like many of those first century believers, that uh, Jesus Christ was on his way back any minute now. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's speaking of that. That is is where this urgency comes from. This understanding that the night is far gone. Daylight is almost upon us. Mm -hmm. And even if we are not speaking with the same urgency 
um, as Christians 2,000 years down the road. Um, there is an urgency there because we are coming up on daylight mm. um, and there is still so much work left to be done. And I think it's especially um, important right now when we're in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, when we have all of this racial unrest that's mm-hmm. happening in America, when we are so split politically, mm. it feels like the world is literally coming to an end. And it's a reminder that it is it is change. It is something that is hidden, that is coming to the fore, and um, it will be uncovered, and we will be able to see it uh, when the daylight shines. And so we need to keep acting in love and grace. Well, and you can make a case that the kingdom of God is always dawning. Right. right? It is always coming upon us. And yet there is not just the urgency, but in some cases, a pain to this. Paul speaks elsewhere of this new era, this new age coming to be as akin to labor pains. And part of this is just how we always speak of change. It is painful, and there is grief, and there is anticipation, and there's anxiety, all these things that come with change. And some people will feel them like death throes. They will feel them like the, the last breaths of what used to be. And yeah. some will hear them as labor pains, yeah. painful, but productive, creative pain. And those are, we have people experiencing what we're going through right now as both those things. Yeah. Either of those things. And then and some of them, both those things. At the same time. Yeah. yeah. Something new coming into being. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I will say that it is in these days that language, though not as, though not racially charged as it was then, has become more and more problematic over the last several centuries, really. But within this last several years and months here, as Christians in particular have become aware of the ways in which the constant juxtaposition of darkness as evil and light as good. good has been, though ancient, and again, not intended this way, has been complicit, uh, both in ways intentional and unintentional mm-hmm. in um, in our racial language, uh, and in keeping a group of people other and keeping them down. So mm-hmm. we, we can't re- read these words. It may be eye-rolling to hear to say, oh my God, we can't even read the Bible without thinking about that. But uh, we have brought racial consciousness to the Bible and imbued this language, uh, and, and it is it is real that if we constantly make darkness the language of danger and the language of ignorance and the language of violence and the language of less than, in contrast to lightness as good and enlightened, quite literally, and all the rest of it, it is it does have an effect on our consciousness. And it's not just that. It's also the fact that this language has been used. Oh, quite explicitly. Explicitly used in order to keep uh, other people in their place um, and um, to to divide and to, 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 to make people believe that there is this difference between races and light and darkness and that sort of thing. It's become so, of that manufactured construct of race over yeah. the past several hundred years. Yeah. And, and Christians, again, with different levels of awareness of wokeness, <laughs> have been, as it were, as it were have, been, have been complicit in this. Yeah. So we have to be mindful of this. 
Um, and yet here it is clearly also an extension of his metaphor of the night and the day yeah. and about the new age and the new moment in which we find ourselves, which is very hopeful language. So he says, and we get another great Pauline list here. So let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness. And we get a list here. But it is kind of funny. That translates, though, across 2,000 years. How many of us live... Uh, have lived more honorably during the day than we have lived at night. <laughs> My mother used to say nothing good happens after nine o'clock at night. That was, her, that was her moment she put on it. Or that, that was the time she put on it. But um, let us live honorably as in the day, which is to say when everybody can see us and you have to be transparent in what you're doing is observed, not in contrast, in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. I think we're. Yeah. I think we're prone. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier too. We're prone when we come across these Pauline lists to kind yeah. of laugh a little bit because he uses uh, the translation are very old-fashioned words. Well, I even I even said them in a little he, bit silly way. Absolutely, like debauchery and licentiousness, right? Who speaks that way anymore? No yeah. one. No one. And and yet. Um, there's still something to be said for this list. Yes. It's very telling. Um, and uh, it's, it's, the difference, um, it's the difference between self-absorption and self-care. Yes. Uh, and and um, he, he, he's talking about these, these behaviors. Uh, we're not being prudish when we say uh, we shouldn't be doing these sorts of things. What we're doing is saying some of these things are actually antithetical to a healthy life yeah. and to a healthy spiritual engagement uh, and all of these sorts of things. Well, and the kind of drinking he is talking about is not... Oh. One glass socially with friends. Right. And he's talking about binge drinking, what we might talk of today. Mm -hmm. When he talks about debauchery and licentiousness, he's not talking about healthy sex as part of a faithful relationship in life. Uh, he is talking about self-indulgence and date what we might call today just this endless hookup culture right. that is about exploitation or abuse or whatever else it might be. So this, yeah, it's actually a pretty specific and timeless list in a way that we are still given to this way of life that leads to death. He talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, and rightly so, our, we have begun to reaffirm and reassert the conversation about self-love and self-care mm -hmm. as being an essential part of a faithful life. It is not only about giving to others at the abuse of yourself. At the same time, self-care is not the same as self-indulgence. No, those then, are totally separate things. I can do whatever I want. Right. When in fact, these things, reveling in drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, quarreling and jealousy, drunkenness, violence, exploitation, carelessness, drama, these types of, they, these are not self-care. These are not ways of loving yourself or your community. And I think he's the urgency here is he's saying we we just we don't have time for that kind of stuff anymore. That's not what this moment is about. Don't get distracted by this. We have something incredible coming. Yeah. And he ends this way. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Um, and again, uh, it, I think it's important to note that um, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ is this Pauline baptismal language, mm. which he threads throughout all of those writings. For him, baptism is that foundation that he comes back to again and again and again as to the fact that we are a new creation, literally. Um, and he's referring here to the fact 
fact that people would go down into the baptismal waters and come up on the other side and they'd wrap them in this white mm-hmm. robe as a sign that they are a new creation, that they're putting on Christ in a very literal sense and living, living him into the world through themselves. Quite literally in a way that evokes a second birth. Yeah coming out again and being wrapped and shrouded again and re-presented to the world. It is like a second birth. Paul had a profound sense of this transformation. He experienced that, and that's what he wanted from others. And he speaks of this in many different metaphors, a death to self, a rising in Christ. Uh, Here it's this difference between waking and sleeping. Yep. To bring it back, and again, you're the one preaching on this on Sunday, so I'm not sure exactly where you're going to go with this. There's certainly plenty of places to oh, go. Oh, there's so, there's so many different directions to go, and I'm not sure where I'm going with it yet either, actually. <laughs> That's a teaser, folks. That's yes. what that has to be. Tune in on Sunday at 10 o'clock to find out. But if there's a takeaway from this today, September 3rd, 2020, if we're looking for a way forward, you could still do a lot worse than... We are here to live one to love one another in a lived, active service kind of way. Yeah. That sums up all the different commandments. Yeah. When we the are law looking and at the prophets. A, when we are looking at a lot of different people and we're having a lot of different squabbles over what was right and what was wrong and who did what and was this legal or technically legal, not legal. A lot of these conversations ultimately miss the point and they miss the vision. Because a lot of these are clearly not ways, truly, of loving one another. Right. We'll see well, where it I'm goes. Well, I'm done. I'm done with my sermon. That, that'll all that'll right, do so it. So that's where we go on yeah. Sunday. All right, we'll just play this. Yeah, that'll I'm work. finished. <laughs> Thank you for spending this time with us today. Uh, we'd appreciate, as you listen to us, if you have the opportunity to like and share and subscribe uh, and rate us, that would be helpful to us. Please spread the word. We think there are folks that might be looking for something like this that don't know we exist, and we don't really advertise or get the word out in any other way. No. So uh, your recommendations would be immensely helpful. Find us, as always, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, FCC of Dundee, FCCDundee.com, for a lot of our mission work and for links to our upcoming events. We have some cool events coming up. And our uh, Facebook Live Sunday services. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope you have a blessed day. And in the meantime, till we do see you again, we encourage you to find ways to get together, get inspired, and get to work. We'll see you soon.